Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. Again, good morning, everyone. Hope you're doing well. Thanks for being here to worship with us. Great to gather and worship together, encourage each other. Um, if you have any questions about Crossroads, let us know. There's a little card in the seat back in front of you. Encourage you to fill that out for us. You can put it in the black boxes back there at the back two doors. That's where we also worship through giving. And um, you put that in there, and we'll be glad to connect with you. We have a place on that card for prayer requests. Um, and everything, uh, as well as just calls here at the office. Lots going on. Ladies have a study going here every Wednesday, 9.30. Men, 6.30 in the morning on Wednesdays. And also men down Valley, uh, Mid-Valley at uh, the Regis down there near Whole Foods on Fridays at 6.30. So, and um, several other things, home churches and things. So we'd love to get you connected into that, as well as talk to you about discipleship, just that next step of journeying together in the, in the Word of God. So, um, yeah, please let us know how we can uh, get you connected and answer any questions you have about the life of the church. Uh, this morning, we, um, right after this, uh, the, the elders are headed to Denver, um, Lord willing. <laughs> Never know about Denver, do you? But uh, many of you have met. Michael Miller has been here to preach and be a part of our, our ministry. We've been in partnership with a, a church plant in Denver called Reclamation Church. And so we will head down there tonight to be part of their service, to be a part of also ordaining their first elder down there, which is um, super exciting. Um, in the growth of that church. Uh, so we'll uh, take off for that, which we're excited about. Right after this, or, or soon after this, as we're all getting coffee and empanadas there, I encourage you to hang around and engage. The, um, uh, the parenting class will be back in here this morning um, and meeting uh, in here as well. So if you haven't heard about that, please see Alyssa or Chris or any of us or Lee back here. Um, and let us know if you'd be interested in that. It's some phenomenal stuff. And Lord knows, all of us that are parents, we need help, right? And to encourage each other in this day and age. Yes. Um, uh, I think that's it for this morning. Again, thanks for being here. We are in this series. I think we're, what, three, four weeks into Not Just Human, being spiritual in a secular world. And uh, I'm just going to dive in here for us this morning. I uh, have a lot. Um, so uh, I hope you're, you're with me. I hope you're here hungry uh, for the word. Uh, if uh, you didn't bring your Bible or you want a paper Bible, which is highly encouraged, there's one underneath the seat in front of you if you want to follow along. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 11 this morning. And we're going to be looking at this, um, at this uh, question this morning of, are we trusting God uh, with our body? Um, big question. So we're going to have five out of this text. Just going to pull five questions for us all to just engage with each other on. And this is becoming more and more important, as you'll see as we get into the text. Um, and as we talk about what's going on in our culture today. Um, how many of you um, have heard of this thing called chat GP, GPT? Um, okay, a lot of you. Um, yeah, so, um, there's a article that just was out yesterday, I think in the wall street journal. Um, there's a new book by Henry Kitchenzer. I haven't heard that name for a long time. Um, along with him, you know, he's secretary of state, secretary of everything at one time or another. I thought he was dead personally, but he's writing books and, um, and this, uh, 
article on the Wall Street is about this chat GP uh, um, T. Thank you. And um, it's he writes it with one of the ex CEOs of Google and of uh, one of the head guys at MIT. Um, about this new era we're headed into, which is uh, they're calling an intellectual revolution. Um, not too long ago, this chat GPT thing that launched is a generative AI. So you can go on the web right now and interact with this, this, this AI, this computer. Um, people are having, students are having it write papers for them. Um, it's, it's, it's unbelievable what it can do. The scary thing is, is the people who have started this and, and, you know, getting into this AI, they don't, they can't tell you how the computer generates its answers. Now, that's an interesting thing, right? You put a question in and how it works, it doesn't know, right, how um, the, the writers of this, the scientists, do not clearly understand, right, in the sense of how it lays upon the answer that it gives you for whatever that you ask it to. Um, they say right now that it's the complexity of the AI models and everything out there are doubling every three months right now. Um, so, I mean, I could go stat for stat. I encourage you to read this Wall Street article that just came out um, about the launch of this and this intellectual revolution. But here, let me just say a few things. I mean, they go through all of this stuff, just that how revolutionary this is for our world and our thinking. Um, it will revolutionize everything from science, politics, how we're organized as a society, and it's coming quicker than we ever realize. It'll change how we think. Um, it'll change science, medicine, all of this. Um, this thing called homo technicus, or uh, um, they call it transhumanism. I'm just throwing a lot of stuff at you because it's coming quick means it's the bringing together of the human body with science and with medicine and technology, right? Some of this is really great, um, but the problem is these guys that wrote this, write this article, they're, they're not people of faith, they're people of science, right? And um, what's happened, folks, is uh, with uh, Darwin and evolution and the movement of modernity and postmodernity is we got rid of God when it came to creation, and now we're moving into new territory, right, where we can be God, right, and where we can, right, determine and change this creation um, as we want. And again, some of that is going to have positive, but even these guys who are not men of faith are raising some big-time questions in the sense of uh, how do you know what the answer comes back is right or not? And where is the moral guidance for how we are going to use this technology? On and on, the ethics. There is no group in government or science anywhere right now that is wrestling with the bioethics um, part of this. Um, it's all up in the air. And uh, already they say there's all kinds of sinister groups who are pumping false information into the internet. Um, so do not believe, I'm just going to say it flat out, do not believe a thing you watch on news today or you get off media today. Don't believe it. Don't believe any of it. Look at it with highly skeptical lens. Um, and I could give a lot of reasons for that. Let me just give one quote out of this and you'll see where I'm going here this morning. Um, not just human. Um, our understanding of that is radically different than the secular world, right? 
The secular world is moving from evolution, right, to transhumanism, where their idea of not just human, right, is man's control with technology to change this body, to change our brain, how we think, and everything else. Um, He says this, what if there will always be ways to generate falsehoods, false pictures, false videos, and people will never learn to disbelieve what they see and hear. Um, Humans are taught from birth to believe what they see and hear, and that may well no longer be true as a result of generative AI. So, um, now here's the good news. (laughs) Um, By the way, just generative AI, these models are generative in the sense they're creating them to generate, right, a thinking modeling process that spits out an answer. Um, It is just crazy, the stuff that is out there, right? Um, And I thought I didn't have time, but I was going to go and type into chat BTX, write me a sermon on 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 1 through 11, and if it came back better than my sermon, I don't know, I... You know, um, but it would. And so I'm still going to do that. I'll, I'll keep you posted on that. So, um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, um, that would really be interesting. So here's the deal. What does the scripture say in the scripture we're going to read this morning? It says that God has given his spirit into your soul, into my soul, right, to uh, bring transformation, right? Um, we're not just human, right? We're in relationship with the living God and the power of the Holy Spirit that, uh, that, gen- that spoke all of this into creation. And we are to walk by faith, listen carefully, not by sight. Yes. What happens when we come to faith, when we become a Christian, is we, um, something right out of the transformative process is I, I stop living from my sight, what I see, can understand empirically and hear, and I start listening to the Spirit to lead and to guide me um, and uh, in how I uh, think and everything. Oop, I got stalled here. Can you move me on to the, there we go. Forgive my scribbles. It's a work in progress, okay? So, um, is what happens is the Holy Spirit comes when we come to Jesus. Holy Spirit comes in and has fellowship with our spirit and awakens us to God, right? And be- before that happens, it's just our spirit is dead to God on the inside and all I'm left with in my soul is my mind, my emotion, and my will, and I'm living by self, um, and that's the secular world, right? It's just all you have is self. And matter of fact, everything in the secular world is to elevate self, right? Into my thinking and my feelings and my will, my decision making, what I do. Um, with, with the Spirit of God, this radical transformation of salvation, what Jesus came to do is restore us into fellowship with God, that we would be in tune with Him and fellowship with Him, and that we would start living from the inside out from the Holy Spirit to inform my mind, my motion, and my will, and to walk by faith, as we're going to see, is all through the New Testament, right? We're set our eyes on the things unseen, not on the things that are seen. And so with this crazy world, right, coming at us, um, with the, all this AI and who knows, right, where it's all going to go, 
right, is that people of faith, and matter of fact, he even says in this article that a new way of thinking is going to develop, one that is not based on uh, just facts and not based on faith, but a third way of thinking is this whole AI thing is going to develop, right? Now, what he means by faith, right, is, uh, is secular faith, right? It's not religious um, faith necessarily. Um, and so the good news is, is that in the midst of all this craziness and uncertainty, right, there's, a, there's an assurance we have that no matter how this goes, right, is that we have a rock-solid God who it's all in His sovereign hands, right? And, you know, all the way back to, praise the Lord, all the way back to uh, whether it's before the flood or whether it's the Tower of Babel, God has a sovereign time. He will not let mankind move too far into wickedness before he intervenes boldly with his hand of judgment. We've we've seen that throughout time. When man gets more and more wicked, again, just read the scripture in the Old Testament, right? As that elevates, God will not allow it, right, to get too far, the corruption of his mighty creation. And so, what does this mean for us when it comes to... um, our, uh, our body. And, and this section of scripture focuses on this tent. It calls it a tent because it's temporary. And how am I to see now in the midst of this world that's going wild out there um, and, ha- and is offering to us all kinds of alternatives real quickly. And again, let me just say on a side note is, um, and we'll come back to this, but we need to even more than ever before uh, go to our Heavenly Father as our primary care physician. Yes, yes. I'm going to repeat that. More than ever before, we need to see our Heavenly Father as our primary care physician. We do not believe and take as full truth or even what is best by anyone else, whether it's a counselor or whether a doctor, we go to the Father. And we take that advice and we go, we rest with Him before we make any decision. That is going to become more and more important, right, as we move forward in this crazy, uh, crazy world. So with that said, let me dive in. I'm going to read the text for us. Um, and just pray that we have um, eyes and ears to hear this this morning. Folks, I, this couldn't be any more applicable to where we're at um, in this wild uh, world that we live in. Uh, let it encourage your soul. Hold on to it tight. I, as I said, I'm going to leave you with five questions, hopefully to wrestle with, to talk and dialogue with over coffee, over a meal with others, with friends, and, and to wrestle with this stuff. Um, and... Uh, as I read this text, though, let me just uh, uh, invite you to participate. Um, is It's okay to get involved, as Derek was calling us in worship, right, to give the amen or the glory or the hallelujah, right, uh, to come in agreement with God's word um, this morning, okay? It won't bother me. It'll actually feed me along. I was telling Michelle, I remembered this week, a long time ago in Atlanta, <clears throat> fresh out of seminary, I got a chance to go down and preach at Inner City Church, 
And uh, oh, it was just so funny. Um, I, I was so ill-equipped for that environment. And I got up to break the text down, all this wonderful stuff. And there's this whole wall uh, across the back of the church of elderly ladies. And they just filled up that back wall every Sunday. And they talked more than the preacher. It was like everything was glory and uh, hallelujah and, and all kinds of stuff. And, and it, I was not used to that. It completely threw me off. And they saw that it threw me off. And it was really cute because they, uh, come on, we'll work with you. We'll get you through. And <laughs> they did. Bring it, Pastor. Come on, it was awesome. And uh, so I'm saying, you're, you're welcome because now I love it. All right, yes, thank you. Um, Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, we need you more than ever. We need your wisdom. We need to be people of faith, Lord. Faith that supersedes, that transcends, Lord, empirical data, that transcends the human mind, that transcends science even, Lord. We need you, God. We need faith to rise among your people. And with that, hope rises, God, right? We need that, Father. And without those, love is corrupted, Lord. So all of that, we ask you. I'm coming. Lord, I, I just want to take a little side note here as I think about it. I want to thank you, Father, for this last week. Your protection over our schools, our children. Uh, Lord, we rejoice in our first responders. A blessing upon them, Lord. Strengthen them, Lord. I, I was so encouraged just to be with them. Lord, these men and women were ready to go. And we rejoice in that, Father. Protect them. Give them wisdom. Lord, pray you'll bring to justice the people who are behind this, Father. Uh, Lord, protect, I pray that beyond our community here around this nation, Lord. Father, ask you, please, bring protection among our children in Jesus' name, Father. Thank you, God. Let us not run in fear, Lord, but let us rise up as people of faith, Lord, who trust and who make a stand in the midst of the battle, Lord, for your glory. Thank you, Father. Lord, give us ears to hear now. Hearts that are able to receive your word. Hungry, God. Restore hunger to your people for your word, your truth, through all the confusion today. Lord, we lift this up to you. In Jesus' name, amen. At the word of God, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting with verse 1. Paul says, For we know that if the tent that our earthly home, if this tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God. A house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in the tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who prepared us for this very thing is God, who's given us the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, as a guarantee. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage. And we'd rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade 
others. The word of God. Wow, a lot there. Some bold language, right? But language, folks, that we need to restore and hold on to, right, tightly. And uh, I just encourage you, if you're here, some of this might be new terrain for you. Um, boy, my encouragement is wrestle with it. Move towards the, the word of God. Ask, seek, knock. Ask for understanding. Get with, you know, engage with each other. Uh, and uh, go after this stuff. This is the word of God. This is the truth of God. This is what will bring life to you and blessing to your life and is desperately needed for so many who are caught in the confusion. And I'm going to deal with some of that here in a minute. This is in the midst of our culture today. So, um, verse 1 is, um, just like I said, five questions. And, and uh, man, I'm just going to walk through these this morning. Um, I hope you'll take them down. Um, this is important stuff. As I said, the, as we get to the last passage here, maybe that shocks you. That Do you realize that is to the church? Ye all, we, each of us, individually, will stand before our Lord. The beam of seat. And give an account for what we, before our Lord, what we've done with this body. Because here's the reality. This is how arrogant and, and how much the self has taken over, right? And I say this all the time. Right, Because it's important for us to understand none of us did anything to get this body. None of us did anything to get your DNA. None of us did anything to get life itself. It is a pure gift to you, to me. And very little of who we are do we have, did we have anything to do with. So why in the world would we go around and say, this is my body, I can do with it what I want to. Where do we get that kind of arrogance, that kind of self to think, right, that I have the right, right, to do what I want to with this body, rather than to see it as a stewardship, as a blessing. And if you know Jesus, you know the amazing stories that we've been orphaned, right, from the beginning, uh, separated from our Father, and Jesus came to restore us back to the Father, and he bought us with the price of his blood. He bought this body, bought our life, Back that we might have life, right, with, with him, right? By the grace of God. This is a free gift to anyone that would receive it. This is the good news. Is that no matter how far we've run, no matter what we've done, where we've taken this body, no matter how bad we've stewarded this body, is if we turn to him, we turn from the world, turn from our sin, and we turn to God, his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness is more than adequate to wash us, cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and make us holy before him. Because he wants us to be a child in his arms, right? Trusting him, walking with him. And so the first question is, is the gospel of Jesus removing fear of death and replacing it with the assurance of, e- of an eternal body? Um, at the very core, is faith growing or is fear growing? With all the craziness out there and just even life and death situations, if we, as we grow close to Christ, and we'll see here, Paul models this, right? We, last week we looked at all this, though I was afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, not driven to despair, and on and on, persecuted, but not forsaken. In other words, is it for Paul, is that his, his, he was consumed with the glory that awaited him, as we've seen, right? A weight of glory, as we saw in the last chapters, waiting all of those, right, who set their eyes on Jesus. And is faith rising Right in my life, and that's an honest question I have to really wrestle with in my life, or is fear rising? And I've got to 
to really wrestle with that because as Jesus rises, as the Spirit rises in my soul, it should have this outward movement that my, my body, how I respond, right, should change. There should be some transformation, right, that, uh, that takes place in my life. Um, and back to my little scribble diagram, right, is that as we move from the inside out to, to my body. And, and folks, even here as we're gathered, Jesus says, I'm present with you. Where two or more gather, where the body of Christ is gathered, Jesus says that he is present with us. And there should be this rising expectation when God's people get together that there's going to be some healing. There's going to be some transformation. There's going to be some conviction, where I need to think about where I've been and turn from it and turn to God and receive His grace, right? There should be an expectation that the Spirit of God is going to move and is going to bring that about, right? His Word does not return void. It goes, and the question for each of us is, man, what am I going to do with this? What am I going to do with this truth, with this Word, the Word of God and inside my soul? And the church is there to, we work that out with each other. Some is individual. But most of this encouragement and pushing on discipleship and everything else is when we lock arms with each other and we encourage each other, hold each other accountable, right? And move each other towards this glorious life that, that God right, has for us. And so this first question, again, is just are we, um, is the gospel transforming us? The glorious thing that Jesus has done for us. No matter what scientific thing is, is figured out out there or new invention or how incredible this AI stuff is, nothing can compare to the glory of God, right. right? And what he's done for this world and what he's offered through sending his son, right? Because no matter how great the machine is, it doesn't have a soul. Mm-hmm. Is behind it, right, is, right, the world. And behind it is, and we know who the ruler of the world is, behind it is self and evil and wickedness ultimately. No matter how much good comes out of it, ultimately it will be evil. It will be wicked. And it will move, right, and tempt and, and uh, people to move away from the very best that God intended for the creation and for their body um, and for how they, how they think. And so... You know, just some thoughts on that is this idea of the assurance that God has prepared a, a wonderful body and is doing that in heaven for you right now. Do you realize that? He will raise you up with a new body, eternal in the heavens. That's why Jesus came. Um, you know, this last Wednesday was Ash Wednesday for all. Um, how many know it was Ash Wednesday, by the way, last week? Okay, I'm impressed. Wow, that's very impressive. Um, you know, that's part of, of, of uh, church history, right? Just to, I think it's really important to understand is that's man's tradition. Do you know that? It's not in the Bible. Now, there's nothing wrong with it, but that's man's tradition. So don't put a higher commitment to, to Lent and these things than the Word of God. And the first, and so I just want to bring, shed a little light Right, especially in light of our topic and, and the truth of God's word, the first uh, Lent begins right with because here's why: is that anything I put uh, use as a model or some? If that thing, let's just take Lent. If that thing, the, the original intent was to move us in devotion, moving up to right Easter Sunday, which is awesome. Um, 
But um, the whole, there's a whole other aspect of that actually Easter Sunday also is, should be, we should remember the feasts of the Old Testament of the Jewish people is actually more important than man's tradition created afterwards, okay? But these things can be helpful. The danger is that any liturgy that we do, right, that is not clearly commanded in the Bible, it can become a crutch. I can, just like going to church, just a ritual, and I can lose the heart of what's behind it, Right? And I cannot think, I can rely upon that rather than really wrestle with the word of God and the truth of God. So Ash Wednesday, the idea of the Ash Wednesday is taking us back to Genesis. Some of you have grown up with the, uh, the mark, the ashes. And uh, the person usually says over us is, remember, from dust you came to dust you will go. Tell me something, is that a New Testament truth? If you end there, you're corrupting the gospel. I want to be very clear. If you use that as an awareness of my weakness and my desperate need for God and for the gospel, great, but quickly move to that. And that's the context of the New Testament. Like we've just read right here, Jesus died to make, and there's not going to be any dust go to to dust. He's going to raise that dust with an eternal body. That's the truth of the gospel. That's what we need to hear. That's what we need to hold on to. That's what we need to remember, right? Right? And be, so we need to be careful, right, that we have the full-orbed understanding, right, and not kind of wallow and stay stuck on something that is going to lead us, right, away from the fullness. And what does that say about Jesus? What does that say about the power of his resurrection, what he did for us, if I'm just focusing on being dust again? doesn't say much about the power of his resurrection, the hope he has for us. As long as the context is understanding my weakness that I, again, I had nothing to do with this body. This body is weak. It is going to go to dust. But thank God for my Savior. He's going to take that and give me a a new resurrected body. That's the gospel. Does that make sense? So thank people. The word of God, the spirit of God. There's always throughout history a thousand things, even good things, even church history, even liturgy that will move us. They can be initially good, But man, they can also lead us, right, to focusing time on things that are man-made, structures and everything, rather than what God's Word, right, clearly says. All right, second thing, um, verses 2 through 3. Second question is, do we see our body as a vessel of vanity and pleasure or clothed with the righteousness of Christ? Mm -hmm. Oof. It's a tough one. How do we see our body, folks? Tell me, how does the world see their body? Everything you watch on TV, everything in multimedia, everything in the movies, everything 100% of the time in a young person's life, what is it telling that child or you about their body? That it is a vessel of vanity. Self, how you look, exalting what you deserve, everything else, in a vessel of pleasure. Do what you want to. Right? Do what you want to with your body. It's your body. We are pounded with that. That is the world. That is the enemy, right? The view, the glory of the gospel is this radical transformation that should radically change how I see my body. And for someone to come when salvation happens, there is an immediate change. If there isn't, then we need to really wrestle with, has 
someone really seeing who Jesus is and understands what he's done for them and depositing the Holy Spirit, one of the initial things that changes is just now the Holy Spirit's in here, so now I'm convicted about what I say, how I use my language, and how I use my body. What I see, what I put into my body, and what I do with my body. Um, That's big stuff, isn't it? And so how how much of the time do I even think about that? Because again, Scripture says we've been redeemed. This body's been bought by the blood of Jesus to be something holy. It is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And this idea of uh, of do I go quickly? Because let's just face it, we all struggle, right? We all wrestle with vanity, right? We all wrestle with vanity. Um, When we look in the mirror. When we try to figure out what we're going to wear. We all do it, right? My hair's gone gray. What am I going to do? Or whatever it is. Right? Um, so we wrestle with vanity. We, re- we wrestle with wanting to um, have my acceptance or my love or how people see me. Um, we all wrestle, don't we? Wanna be, we want to be good looking. Yes. We want to be attractive. Right? And that drives, if that's not put at the feet of Jesus, right, then man, that, can, that, that can mess us up, right? And we all have different aspects that we wrestle with. But what about pleasure? Man, I mean, think about it. When we, the, our, our default when we get stressed or tired is to go and, and we just want pleasure. And so we're going to overeat. We're going to binge watch Netflix. We're going to well, just go down the list of things. I'm going to overdrink. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do things to my body that, that change my, you know, that intoxicate me, that change my mental, I mean, go on and on and on. We all have struggled with our body yes. in the sense of trying to self-satisfy my body. And what God is saying is, don't do that. Your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. You have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. I got something far greater for you. And if you're, if you're not going to steward this body, well, I can't come in and exist in great power in the midst of you. Um, and so, this is just a big question. Um, the righteousness of Christ. He took on your sin. He took on my sin. He had no sin. That we could become the righteousness of Christ. Man, that's where we should be focused, right? Third one, do we see our body as the temple of the Holy Spirit and long for more of Him, right? Long for more of Him. And this is verses four and five. And he, and he says here, but He who, in verse five, who's prepared us for this very thing is God who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. Are you aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life? This one who's fostering faith that this body, I, I, I cannot be caught up in fear. I, is that, boy, the Spirit's a deposit, is a guarantee of what God is going to do right for me. What a glorious thing. But without the awareness of the Spirit of God, I lose the faith to see the glory of what God is going to do um, right in my, in my body. Um, fourth. Are we willing, or are we living courageously, knowing to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord? Folks, these are some of the most encouraging 
truth just full-on answered to one of the biggest questions we have. What happens when I die? What happens when one of my loved ones dies? Scripture for Paul makes it razor sharp. Never doubt. Never doubt. When we breathe our last here, that second you're in the presence of your Savior. One of your loved ones, a friend, passes. Boom. That second they breathe their last here, God takes them into his presence. This is rock solid truth at the, the, the gospel itself. This is what the church should be holding on to. This is why the, the fear of death and everything should not take hold of us is to realize this profound truth of, of what Jesus did with his death, his burial, his resurrection, right? To purchase us for himself for all eternity. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? I mean, to hold on to that truth, that answers the most fundamental question that anyone who's ever lived has. Am I loved? Is there a future for me? What happens after this life? The assurance that we have with God himself. Amazing. Right? It should overwhelm us, folks. This is what should be driving us, is the idea to be present with the Lord. Now, uh, and Paul goes on and he says, I'd much rather be absent from this body and to be present with my Lord. Do we live like that? I mean, do I, do I live, am I, as I'm growing, especially older, that we get, can I honestly say, that deposit of the Spirit is growing and that I long. Not just because I, I, I want to get out of my flailing body, because I want to be with the Lord. Paul says in Philippians, he, uh, over and over again, he said, to live is Christ, to die is gain. It's gain. Most of your life, folks, is ahead of you. Why do we live because the world is pounding? Live in the now, YOLO, you know, all this stuff. Live in it, right? Do the, but do it all, you know, go and you got to explore this, you got to do this and do that and do everything. I'm not worried about going to some of these places. Guess what? You have an eternity to explore. And it's going to be in a renewed creation. The question is, are we carrying out the purpose and ministry that God has given us? Are we stewarding this well, right? Because it will have an impact, Right? In the future. And finally, um, are we spending more time preserving life than spending our life for Christ's sake? Whew, this one got me. All right, they all got me this week. But this one really got me, okay? Just think about how much time do I spend preserving, thinking about maintaining all my stuff, all this stuff, maintaining my body, all... Folks, look, I, I just say, please, lay down the freaking diets. Lay down the freaking this plan, that plan. Uh, people are so freaking consumed with the newest thing that is going to turn them into a supermodel or a super athlete or whatever it is. It will consume you and it will lead you away from what God wants you to do. And here's the deal. If I see this as a stewardship that I'm accountable for this, guess what? That just builds into it a natural diet. I'm not going to be a glutton because I, I need to stand before God and give an account. I want to please him, right? I want to please him. And so my final little thing here is, please listen to me, is 
folks, this idea of pleasing God, this idea of laying hold of God's beauty uh, of our body and how God sees us and, and letting the Spirit of God make us whole and healthy and integrate everything, that is God. That's the gospel. That is what our children need. Probably more than any other time in history is there a direct war against the younger generation, a direct war against tearing down God's design and His blessing for children's lives like never before. And folks, let me just, I'm just going to throw it out, is that um, it's being nice doesn't get us anywhere. It doesn't get anywhere. Truth is what moves the ball down the field. And for too long, the church has sat back and let all of this junk, these lies, look at what is being taught our children in the, the schools and the culture, everything else. It is wicked. Call it for what it is. It is dark. It is wicked. And it is moving people to a place of great darkness and great bondage. It's time for people to stand up and hold some goodness before them. And I pull back on that. It's not about Jesus wasn't nice. What did he say to the disciples in Matthew 18? He said this when he brought up a child. Unless you are like this child, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And he said this. Jesus, most of the time, what Jesus says, it was not nice. He said this. Anyone who causes this child to stumble or sin, it's better for them to have a huge milestone tied around their neck and drowned in the sea. That's Jesus. That's not nice. Anyone who causes this child to sin, to stumble, move away, right, from God's beautiful design for this, better that they just get a big old stone and go to the bottom of the sea. It would be better for them. That's Jesus' words. So if, those, if that's the truth of God, it should well up in us a compassion, a boldness, right, that see out of love and concern for our culture and our children and our families to step in and to speak the truth boldly don't cower jesus says blessed are you when you're reviled for my name's sake blessed are you when you uphold my design and for these precious children because i've got something glorious for them glory unto glory is what i have right for my children does that make sense gang um we're in a war and we have to fight by the spirit not the flesh we have to fight with a heart that's moved out of compassion to see that souls are being fragmented and they're coming up and being ripped apart. And the only thing, just being nice, just sitting and listening and pacifying this in our culture, folks, it gets nowhere. And that should be obvious. What gets somewhere is a confrontation of the truth, upholding the truth and engaging it and not waffling on that. And holding it up out of a compassion for where that's going to take people. Um, for the glory of the gospel. Because the word says is that each of us will stand before our creator. And give an account for what we've done with this body. And that's why Paul says, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord. And that means fear. That means a reverence to understand an accountability to God Almighty. Oh, there's grace there. Run to it. Embrace it. He will cover anything and everything. Right? But realize there is a stewardship. There's an accountability for all of us, right? That we are going to have to. And that accountability, I think what the Lord was breaking my heart was, was um, the accountability for others. 
is to not sit back with the truth, but to engage, regardless of the response, to engage lovingly. It is not loving ever to withhold truth from a situation. That's not loving at all. And um, it's time right, for God's people to get serious about the gospel and get serious about people's hearts and what is really happening out there um, today. This is the answer. This is the glorious answer, right? So, Father, thank you for your word. And, Lord, it's tough stuff, tough, tough, tough verses, Lord. But glorious, Lord. You have all the answers. You have the answers, but, Lord, it has to be taken by faith. As you said, we walk by faith, not by sight. We don't see you yet, Jesus. But we have faith in you. As First Peter says, we love you, though we don't see you. And we have joy unspeakable, Lord, waiting on your return, waiting on you to bring heaven and earth, everything together one day again. Oh, Spirit, move among us. Start with us. Is anyone convicted? Does anybody want the Lord? Is anyone willing to turn from their ways? Are any of us willing to see our bodies as stewardship? To call upon the grace and the forgiveness of God? To turn to Him? any of us willing to be a vessel of hope to, to, to make a stand in the war regardless of the consequences Lord we make a stand for you Holy Spirit we need you desperately to well up your heart in us Lord, we should be weeping here this morning. We should be broken on our knees, God, for the fragment, broken, fragmented lives that are being destroyed by what's going on in our schools and our culture today. We should be broken, God, before you. We should be in deep anguish before you, God. Lord, I pray that you would move in us. Break our hearts for the things, Lord, that break your heart. Holy Spirit, only you can do that. Thank you for what you're doing in Asbury. And Lord, I know many other. I'm hearing from many others. Lord, please fan it into flame, God. Let it flow out, Lord, as a mighty witness of your glory, the good news, Lord, that people's hearts is the only thing that heals a heart. So come be with us. We know you've been with us. Do your work, Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.